0: Well, here it is. It is the last night. Let's try this again. Who was here on Sunday all day? Say amen. 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 All right, here was who on Tuesday. Say amen. amen. Wednesday, amen. amen. Thursday. Amen. All right, let's try this. Who's here tonight? Amen. All right, good deal, good deal. That's the most important one. Who made it every service all week? Say amen. amen. Hey, we got a good crowd there, man. I'll tell you, how many of you, that's your first time you've ever been to church every night of the week? First time you've ever been to church every night of your week? Okay. All right. We got a handful of you. Good deal. Well, welcome to the club. And uh, boy, I'm going to tell you what, uh, there's no place I'd rather be every night of the week than it would be in uh, in the house of God. And so, just so happens y'all had to listen to me this week, but uh, I'm glad that you are here. Acts in chapter number 26. Acts in chapter number 26 is where we're going to be this evening, and uh, I told you I keep notes kind of of what I preach, where I preach, and I preached in this passage some years ago in this church uh, and uh, everything, and so I uh, just want to kind of give you some simple thoughts. Uh, here, I didn't make note of what I preached, and as I told you, I don't preach. You're looking at my notes right there, okay? got three lines highlighted in my Bible, so uh, we will see what direction we head and where the Lord takes us tonight. Man, I'm excited about it, though. And, uh, man, I love that song uh, that was sung just a moment ago. Uh, All of them were great tonight, by the way. Man, I mean, from the very get-go, all of them. You know, I love those good old songs because they got something that a lot of the newer ones don't have. not saying all, but a lot of the newer ones don't have, and that's called doctrine. Man, there's doctrine all throughout those old hymns. And, uh, man... I'm just telling you, when you start listening to them, instead of just saying the words because they're on the screen, but when you start actually thinking about the words of those songs, man, you talk about power. There's power in those songs right there. And so, uh, I mean, honestly, I was thinking about the one. I forget which one it is now because I got short-term memory loss. But anyhow, uh, it was one of the ones I was thinking, man, somebody could get saved if they just read that hymn. You know, when you think about that, that that's powerful stuff. That's the gospel right there. So I love it. And man, uh, even in the valley, man, we're on high ground. Boy, that's a good one right there. And I was thinking, you know, I think the Lord might have just ordained that. I don't know, but I believe that the Lord might have had his hand on that because tonight we're going to be talking about one old boy who lived in a lot of low spots. He had a lot of struggles. He had a lot of downtime. In fact, uh, you find in the in the uh, in the scripture there where uh, uh, you know he he struggled with that thorn and man, he had a, a rough time of it and and uh, all of that. In verse chapter number twenty six of Acts, we find good old Paul. Man, I'm telling you what, I love brother Paul. I call him the pastor to pastors. Man, I'm telling you, he wrote so much that helps us as pastors. And I know it was the Holy Spirit of God inspiring him, but still, uh, it's amazing. So here's Paul. And Paul had been waiting for this opportunity, man. He gets to finally speak for himself. That's what the Bible says. In verse number one, then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. Man, I love it. You can't take the preacher out of the man. I'm just going to tell you. The Bible says he stretched forth his hand. I believe he had that old finger out there, and he was wagging that finger as he was going at it. Man, I'm telling you what. And so uh, old Paul, he's there, and the Bible says this in verse number 2. And I love this. He says this, I think myself happy. Well, I love that. You know, he had a chance to answer for a lot of things. And the first words out of his mouth were this. I'm happy no matter what's happened to me. Now, if anybody's had an excuse or a reason. We were talking about this a little bit today. But I mean, Paul, man, that old boy, I tell you, they stoned him, left him for debt. I mean, the old boy was snake bit, shipwrecked, you name it. I mean, he was probably cursed out more times than you can shake a stick at. They wanted to kill him. They went all around. I mean, they followed him all around. They hated what he was doing. They hated every time he went into a town and preached because people started getting saved. I mean, they hated, he was one of the most hated old boys in the entire known world at that time. And there he is. He goes to prison and he's in and out of all that. We can talk more and more about his problems. And when you start thinking about Paul, all of a sudden, my issues seem like they're real minute compared to his. And so here he is, and they bring him before the king, and they said, okay, you've got a chance. You've got an audience. You've got this opportunity. They bring him before Agrippa, and when they bring him here, he says the first words out of his mouth is, I think myself happy. What he was saying was this, is my happiness was not dependent upon anything you have done for me, or anything you can do for me. Agrippa, you may be powerful here on earth, but my happiness was not determined by when somebody was powerful or somebody's ability or anything else, hey, my happiness was determined by me and my relationship with the Lord God Almighty. And we get so beside ourselves, man, I love it, people get all torn up. I don't love it, but it makes me laugh. People will yell at the TV when the news is on. And they get their blood pressure, you know, up there way up in the hundreds and everything else, and they're all worried about everything that's going on in the world, and they stress out about it. And I'm going to tell you, you listen to Glenn Beck for about five minutes, and you want to go buy all this food and stick ammo away and everything else, you know, and, and the whole world's coming to the end, and and, uh, and we we get all tore up about it. But did you know that God has not been nervous for one second? God has not been out of control for one moment's time. God has been entirely, 100% in control. He's okay. He's not nervous. He's not scared. And he's not lost control. God knows what he is doing. And listen, we pray a lot of times and we say, God, I need you to calm this storm. You know, sometimes God doesn't always choose to calm the storm. Sometimes God just chooses to calm the child. There you go. It's amazing to me what peace can come over a child of God whenever that sweet peace comes from above. And no matter how much the storm in the world rages, you look at this man right here. The world was raging at him, but he had peace, peace, a wonderful peace, coming down from the father above. That's where it came from. And so he says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself on this day before thee, touching all things whereof I am accused. Notice those next three words. Of the Jews. What have we been dealing with just about all week? That old spiritual crowd's problems. Let me just throw this out there at you. The world... They're good at being the world. You ever thought about that before? See, we we get upset and we get mad and we say, them bunch of wicked heathens out there, they're for abortion and they're for this. And man, uh, you know, uh, all, all this stuff that's going on, our county's a dry county and uh, where we live, they, they're not allowed to serve alcohol, but now they've started giving special permits to certain people if they pay a certain amount of money and all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and everything. And, and we get up and we holler about it, but guess what? The world's good at being worldly. I don't know why we're shocked. I don't know why I get caught off guard when a wicked sinner who is lost and on their way to hell acts like a wicked sinner who's lost and on their way to hell. Yeah. I don't know why, but sometimes it catches me off guard and I got to remind myself, oh man, they're not a child of God. Yeah. The problem is not the world acting like the world. The problem is God's people are acting like the world. That, that's the real issue. That in line, Is that is that we... They do a great job at acting about who they are, but we do a poor job wow. of acting how we are yeah, come on. or what we say we are. And I'm going to tell you right now, we better get real. You know, that's one of the things I love about Jesus. There's a lot of things I love about Jesus. You know, he's the altogether lovely. I don't know how you can't love him, but Jesus had people with him all the time. You talk about accountability, accountability, People were with him all the time. He started his ministry, he called his disciples unto him and, and, and from that point on, he was never, I mean, unless he went away to pray by himself uh, and spent some time with God, there were people there and, and, and he always had people around and guess what he had? He had a good testimony. Amen. You say, well, he was Jesus, yeah, but he told us to be like him. In other words, we ought to have a good testimony with everybody we come in contact with. In other words, people ought to say, you know what? You're doing a pretty good job at being a Christian. Now, that was a rabbit hole that I jumped down in there, but we're going to come back out of that one, okay? And Paul says, hey, I got a chance to answer for myself all the things that I've done, good or bad, and I can stand by them. I know this. I've done what the Lord has asked me to do. No man can stand before the world with confidence when they've got sin in the closet of their life. No man can. I believe the reason we struggle with telling the world about Jesus Christ is because we've got sin in the closet of our life and it takes the boldness away from the believer when we know deep down inside there are things that the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to us about and we won't get it right and we tarry in sin, we continue in sin. Hey, And, and the Bible says, shall we continue in sin? God forbid that. No way. We're not going to tarry there. We're not going to live there. We're not going to continue in that. Hey, we're not going to take advantage of the grace of God. But when we do, it takes away the boldness of the believer. The reason Paul could stand and answer for himself for what he had done is because he had lived the right life. Was Paul perfect? Nope. In fact, you can find in the Bible some things where he had disagreements with people. And guess what? I don't know that Paul was always right and who he disagreed with and whatever. There's debates that you can have over that. Bottom line is he was a human just like you and I. But all in all, he lived his life doing his very best to live like a Christian should live. And he had a testimony. So he answers for himself for these things that he was accused of by the Jews. And then let's, uh, verse number 11, the Bible says, and I punished them off to every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and began exceedingly mad and against them and I persecuted them even unto strange cities. So he says, I was I was a bad dude. Man, I, I did all kinds of wickedness to Christian people. He, he says, man, I, I, I'm, I was not good. Verse number 12, whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And and, and I said, Who art thou? Notice that next word, Lord. Saul knew exactly who was speaking to him. It's amazing to me he had to ask the question. And and he says, Who art thou, Lord? And, and, And he said, I am Jesus. Boy, I love that. Whom thou persecutest, uh, persecutest, but rise and stand upon thy my feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which thou, uh, which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people of the Gentiles, uh, from the uh, from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Look at verse number eighteen to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. "...from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith... That is in me, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then of the Gentiles, and they that repent and turn to God and do works, meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me, and in the temple uh, went about to kill me. And then verse number 22, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing. Well, I love that passage of Scripture right there. And so tonight we're just going to draw a few simple thoughts from what made old Paul happy. We have so many Christians. You know, uh, the Bible, you know, so many people say happiness is determined by happenings and joy is given from the Lord. I've heard that all my life. But did you know the Bible says If you know these things, that next word, happy are ye if you do them. I don't see a caveat in that passage of Scripture that says unless things are bad. I think pretty much what the Lord was saying is, is if you know these things, what things? What the Bible teaches you. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. And tonight... We're just going to talk about some happy servants, some happy servants. The Bible says there in verse number 12, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Man, I love that. And then verse number 15, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, you know, the first thing I see is this. simple. The reason Paul was happy was because he was a child of God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. He was happy that he was converted. That day, the Lord turned him. You remember that passage we read, and we'll get to it again in just a moment, where he says, Hey, to turn them from darkness to light from death into life. Man, that's your goal, Paul, now that I've changed your life and that's what I've got for you is is I want you to go out and do that and and the reason being is is because, listen to me, I came to you, I appeared unto you, I came to you and I changed your life. I did for you what no man can do. All the rest of the world hated you. Guess what? None of the Christians want anything to do with you because you persecuted them but Jesus showed up and then when Jesus got there, Paul says, I can be happy and I'm the happiest man who ever lived because Jesus changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hey, we've soon too soon forgot about what Jesus yeah. has done for us. And man, I remember as a 13 year old boy, I was sitting in a service, and a preacher got up and he preached on hell, and he pointed me out. You're not gonna believe this, but he did. And uh, you think I'm a hard preacher, man? You ought to be in that guy's services. You know, Brother Haggett, You know who I'm talking about? And uh, man, I was sitting in the back. He said, Luke Bishop, stand up. I was sitting in the back. Stood him up. Stood up. I in my son. And he said, if that boy, a preacher's boy, grew up in church, but if he died without Jesus, he'd die and go straight to hell. That's what he said. He's like, sit down. Yes, sir. I sit down. And the whole service, I was just trying to figure out how to get out of there because I knew I was lost. And I, I think the Holy Spirit of God knew I'd sit through enough services that I knew how to get from one to the next without making a move. And son, that night, he didn't just ring my bell. Son, he double rung it. I mean, it was all the way through. And man, I sat down and tears began to flow down my face. Man, I walked out the back of that service and when I did, man, uh, my daddy come around the corner and he caught me and when he caught me, we walked into the laundry room there in the dining hall and the preacher was preaching there and I knelt down in a green bucket with a white lid that had the triple S insignia on the top of it. And I knelt there and I said, Lord Jesus, I want you to take the reins of my life and save me. I've been living a lie. And Lord, I just want to be real now. And man, that day I got gloriously saved. Man, heaven reached down and I reached up and there was a you that was made between me and Jesus and he did all the work and I give him all the glory today and I'm going to tell you on the worst of days I'm still a child of God which is far better than anything this world has to offer. Boy, I love being saved. And I'm going to tell you when there's doubts and when there's questions and when there's wondering about your salvation the devil loves to put a question mark where God puts a period. I feel so sorry for people who struggle with knowing whether they're saved or not. I I feel bad for those people because, man, I'm just one of those guys. You just got to sometimes you got to tell me multiple times. But once I get it through my thick skull, I just believe it. And, man, that's the way it was whenever I got gloriously saved and I knew I was a child of God and man, I knew that he saved me and man, I knew there was something that was there and and man, there was that relationship that began and man, I'm telling you, when I had that going on, when that was in my life, man, I've just believed it. You say, Brother Luke, will you never doubt? I don't know if I will ever doubt in the future, but I can say from the time I was 13 until I'm now 37 years old, there's never been a day that I got up and wondered if I was saved. But did you know, there's a lot of people that struggle with that. Can I just help you with that real quick? Two things that will cause doubt. Number one, conviction of sin. You know, when we get away from the Lord and we start to wonder, sometimes people come back to the house of God and they think all of a sudden, oh man, well, I must not have been at the last time. Well, I must not be saved. I must not have ever been. Let me just say you this. I was telling this to somebody, I think, the other night. It may have been y'all. I've said so much in the last six days, man. I'm telling you what. Y'all are probably like, yeah, too much. (laughs) You know, when I get away from the Lord and the Lord comes down and in his fatherly way whoops my hind in, two things that does. Number one, it causes me to want to come back to him. But the second thing it does, it reminds me that I'm his. Amen. Amen. That, brother. Yes. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth and chasteneth. Amen. Now listen, I know we're on live stream, so I'll use my words carefully. But I don't mind to pick up my children and correct them if you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Take them before the board of correction. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't go around picking anybody else's kids up. right and whooping them. Why? Well, number one, I don't want to go to jail. (laughs) But then number two reason is they ain't on. They're not embarrassing me. They're not bothering me. Why? Because they don't belong to me. So the reason a lot of people doubt is they get sin in their life and that puts distance and they're confusing conviction of the Holy Spirit of God upon the believer with conviction of needing salvation and many times if they, especially if they're immature in the Lord or if they really wandered away or if they've gone back to an original sin that they've dealt with before a lot of times they think well I've just got to get this thing you know. but no I'm telling you this man I'm glad today that when he forgave us I'm glad that that work that Jesus did on Calvary was an eternal work. In other words it started in me and it began a new thing in me and a good work in me and when it did that hey as it continued on hey the blood of Jesus Christ it covered the past the present and the future it's an eternal work, and that's what Jesus Christ did when He took that blood into the mercy seat and the temple veil rent from top to bottom in twain. Man, He went in there, and it wasn't a one time issue. It was a continual thing that Jesus Christ did. And some of us need to quit doubting our salvation and wondering, did I mean it this time or did I not? And come to the Lord and just get clean with Him. Amen. Get things right. Many times we'll doubt when we sin, and we'll doubt. Also, you're going to say when other people get saved. If I preach this sermon tonight, and brother Rodney walked out down the aisle and said, "Brother Luke, I've been living a lie for all these years. I'm not saved." Quiet deacon. Yeah, (laughs) no, I'm joking. (laughs) Like, Deacon's, hey man, hey man, I knew it, I knew it the whole time. (laughs) No, no, what it would be is this. Well, if he's not saved, well, goodness gracious, if he's not saved, How in the world can I be saved? I mean, he's been doing all, he's been pastoring churches for 25 years. He's been uh, serving with the youth and he's done all this kind of, and if that man's not saved, then man, I I must not be saved. and, And man, and it'll cause people to start to doubt. But see, my, my salvation was not determined by Pastor Haggett and whether he was saved or not with all of his good works. Guess what? Mine is a no-so salvation between what I did with the Lord Jesus and what the Lord Jesus did for me. Yeah. come on. Hey. I've quoted this verse probably every invitation because I quote it nearly every invitation. These things were written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Trust. And he says, hey, I want you to know something. That when I save you, I save you to keep you. Amen. Amen. You're my child. Nobody can take you away from me. I'll tell you what, this old boy right here is a knothead and sometimes I wish he'd sit in the back seat instead of the seat beside me. But when it comes down to it, he's mine, he belongs to me and nobody's getting him from me. Yeah. That relationship ain't changing one ounce. He's mine. Why? Because he's my blood. Yeah. Come on. And we were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm saying tonight is this, don't let the devil make you struggle. Am I in the day? Did I say it right? All these things. Why don't you get peace from the Father above that He did an eternal work for you? Amen. Salvation is so important. The most important thing we talk about on Monday night. It's the most important thing you can do with your life. Make sure you're not going to hell. Amen. And once you get that, you need to live with the confidence that comes from God above. Boy, if He whoops you, you ought to be glad. He's bringing you back in and he's telling you, I love you. Amen. Here we go. Preached a long time on that point. He says, I'm happy because I'm saved. I'm happy because I've talked to Jesus. You see there how this happened? The Bible says that a light shone in the way brighter than the brightness of the sun. And whenever it was brighter than the brightness of the sun, <laughs> The Lord spoke to him. And guess what? He spoke to the Lord. You know, we can be happy today. We can be happy today because the Lord speaks to us. Amen. Right there. There's one song that says, He still speaks. I know His voice. Hey, there's another one that says, Don't tell me that, uh, don't try to tell me that God is dead. I spoke with Him. This morning. Don't don't try to tell me that God's dead. He lives within my heart. Man, he opened up my blinded eyes and set me on my way. Is that not what he did for Paul? Amen. Amen. Oh, man, the privilege of prayer to be able to address the Holy God in heaven through His Son, Jesus Christ, because we take upon us His righteousness because He bought us by His blood when He saved us on Calvary. Man, what a privilege of a lifetime to be able to converse with God Almighty who spoke on to existence and yet He comes down and He lives inside of my heart and He speaks to me and He comforts me and He helps me and He loves me. Man, what a time and we try to talk to everybody else in this world outside of Jesus. Why don't we slow down a little while and ask Him what He thinks and give Him a little bit of our attention and talk to him because I'll tell you, there's no conversation that compares to the one with God Almighty. Amen. But it's true. I, I get people that come to me and ask me questions about things and, and all this kind of And I'm thinking, have you tried to talk to God about it? I don't have answers. I don't. I'm not, I was telling them, hey, I'm not a very good, never thought of myself as much of a counselor. I, I never have. In fact, I tell our people, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to sit down and start counseling, and this may be different here. This is just me. It's probably why you're glad I'm not your pastor, but <laughs> I tell them, you know what? If you can be faithful to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you're still having troubles, then we'll sit down and talk about it. Come on, drop it. That's what I tell them. It might keep some people out of the doors of the church, but I'll tell you this, it keeps me from sitting behind my desk and having to deal with a whole lot of things that could be taken care of right here from preaching God's Word to them. Let's just be straightforward here. God's house was set up for a purpose. We were to come worship Him and to hear His Word preached. And this word should change our lives. So much counseling and so much help that we try to go to others and find could be negated and made uh, really useless if we just came to church and heard the word of God preached and just did what it said. Not what the preacher said, but did what the word of God said to do. That's what I tell our people. I'm just like, hey, I'm not saying I'm a great preacher at all, but the Spirit of the Lord likes to work in church services. Did you know that every major decision, I'm sweating like crazy here tonight, man, I'm telling you what. Hey, did you know that every major decision I ever made in my life, I made in a church service? I got saved in a church service. I surrendered in a church service. God put his calling of preaching upon me in a church service or revealed it to me. Hey, did you know that, uh, you know, and honestly, I didn't have one of them where I was like, oh man, I know, but all of a sudden, man, it was like I had that desire. Guess when that happened? When I was hearing preaching. Yeah. I committed to the Lord to stay pure, not until I got married, but for my entire life in a church service. Amen. I'm telling you, Every major decision that I have made in my life, I have made in a church service that has put me on my way where I needed to go. You say, Brother Luke, you're not really successful. guy. I don't know if I should follow you, but just trust me. I'm telling you what, I may not be the most successful guy in the world. I may not have the biggest church in the world. may not have the biggest ministry in the world, but I can tell you this, I live a life like, no, not many other people get to live. And you say, are you bragging? I'm bragging on my God. I'm just going to tell you, man, there is no life I'd rather have. I'm so glad. I've got friends that I went to school with and man, they've run around and they've they've, they've had a rough life and all this kind of stuff and they come back. I, I've got one of them that's coming to my church and man, we grew up the same way, went to the same school, had the same kind of teaching, went two different directions and you know, I hate it for them and I've been trying to help their family and trying to help put them back together but can I tell you something right now? Oh man, I'm telling you, every time I get done with that, when I pillow my head at night, I just want to thank the Lord God above that he protected me from all that because he spoke to me. When did he speak to me? In the house of God. Amen. I'm just telling you. Man, church Amen. is where it's at. Yes, sir. And you ought to praise God when a preacher gets up and just goes ahead and tells the truth. Yeah. You ought to thank God you're in a place like that where, where, hey, listen, we're not going to shy away from things. We're going to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God yeah. because we care about you and we care about what God thinks and then we want you to be the light of the world and how can you be the light of the world if you're living like them yeah. Yeah. Come on. I'm simply saying today that there's a whole lot of things that we could Avoid in our lives if we would simply respond to the speaking of the Holy Spirit of God. (laughs) There's a whole lot of things. And again, I'm not saying that I'm any better than anybody else, man. I always say I got five wonderful kids and another one. I actually used to say I got four other kids and another one, four wonderful kids and another one, but now I got number six on the (laughs) way, you know. I've got crazy home. Man, we're going all the time. We're up late, up early, going, 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 going. Man, I'm telling you what, it may be the busiest life in the world, but it's the most blessed life. Well, God's been good to me. And the only way I can describe it is this, is it's because I accepted the goodness of God When I was younger, and I tell young people all the time, the biggest decisions you make in your life are really from about 15 to 22 years old, and they chart the rest of your life. Where you go to school, where you're going to live, what what kind of uh, uh, work you're going to have, and all these, and it charts the rest of your life for good or for bad, and all that can be helped by listening. When the Holy Spirit of God speaks. Well, he was happy because God spoke to him. And he says, I can think myself happy through all these trials and issues that I've had. (laughs) Because he started speaking. And he hadn't stopped. And I started listening. And I've just been doing my best just to do what Jesus tells me to do. That's what makes us happy. You know, some people might not be happy that I'm saying that. But if you do his will, you'll be happy you did. I got to hurry here. He's happy because he was saved. He's happy because he was spoken to. Well, God spoke to him. He was happy because God called him to be a servant. God called him to be a servant. Boy, if we could just learn this one right here, it would do all of our churches a huge favor. Remember what the Bible said? The Bible said, uh, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. And then what did it say? That you love one another, that you care for one another, that you love one another. The Lord says, the best soul winning you can do is to care for people. The best soul winner you can be, the whole world will know that you're a Christian by how you love people. Yeah. Come on. He says, I've appeared these this purpose for you to be a minister. You know, everybody thinks, well, a minister, that's a preacher, you know. Well, you say that, but did you know the minister gives the idea of just being a servant? Hey, we as pastors, we have been put in this position to serve. Amen, brother. That's why they say we serve. I serve as the pastor of Freedom Baptist Church. Now, a lot of times, a lot of preachers forget that. And we get a little bit big for our britches. And the Lord has to bring us down a notch or two. But all in all, we're put there to serve. Amen. Guess what? When you come to this house of God and God begins to speak to you and God begins to work in your life, you know what the Lord expects of you? He expects you to start serving. There's a lot of people who get sideways about a lot of things. Can I just tell you my own personal statistics? I have never seen, I have never seen big trouble from people who consistently are trying to soul win and reach the lost. That's just me personally. I'm sure there's some that are out there I was talking to a guy one time and he said, man, this guy's really been giving me trouble. I said, does he go, go soul winning? No, he never comes. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, why don't you call him and ask him personally every single week to go make some visits with you and just go out and love on some people together. And I said, one of two things are happening. Either there'll be conviction from the Holy Spirit of God that'll come upon him and he'll realize, you know what, I've got my eyes on the wrong thing and I'm worried about all this other stuff. And so I just need to go ahead and, and, and man, just get over my pride and I need to go out there and just start loving people. Or he'll leave. That's one of the two things. Because I said, you're going to put him on the spot every single week. Two weeks went by, three weeks went by, four weeks went by. Never Never went, never went, never went, never went. Five or six weeks and the next thing you know, he ran out of excuses. And guess what? Did you know that that man now is one of his biggest allies in his church? What was the difference? It wasn't my counsel. It's just simple. They went out and started loving people together. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the issues and the friction between those two, it went away because their focus were not on those two. They were on everybody else. Boy, our churches just need a good old dose of being servants and loving other people. This is not popular. Everybody going to stand up and shout and holler and all this kind of stuff. But we need this desperately in our churches. Why? Because 10% of the people do 90% of the work in our churches. It's true. It really is. And man, we need people to step up to the plate. We need people. And when I say we, the church, the house of God, it's not for my glory. It's not to make me look good. It's not to make you look good. It's not to make anybody look good except for the Lord God Almighty. He said, by this shall all men know that we're my disciples. Hey, there are some of us, and I know this is not popular, okay? But I'm trying to leave you with this thought this evening is this, is what can I do with the revival that God has put in me, okay? Well, we can get out there and we can reach the lost and dying world. Hey, we can get out there and live like a Christian ought to live and live right. Hey, we can get in here and listen to the speaking of the God. And, and we can get in our word and, man, see what he says to us from those beautiful pages in his word as he speaks to us. Man, we can speak to him in prayer. And we can, there's some things that we can do now that we've been stirred. We ought to leave out of here changed. We ought to leave out of here different. And we ought to leave out. And when we do, we'll be happier for it. Amen. So many people struggle with anxiety and so many people struggle with depression and all these things. And I know, listen, I'm not saying that they're not real, but I'm saying this. I know this, that the Lord can help you with a lot of those things. And a lot of times it's because we get so concerned about our problems. But if we started being concerned about the people who are lost and on their way to hell, and man, knowing there's an urgency that's there, and man, just uh, lifting up the arms of our preacher and being a blessing in the house of God, and man, just trying to do our very best to serve God wherever he wants to, I'm going to tell you, it can't hurt. Amen. Can't hurt anything. I'm simply saying, if we were truly revived and helped this week, and I don't know, that's between you and the Lord, it ought to change something. It ought to change something. Something should be different in your life come Sunday because of what happened Sunday through Friday night. And it's not because I was preaching. And it's not because we had a revival meeting. But it's because the Spirit of God has spoken to you and He did not do it for naught. He spoke to you that you might be different. When He spoke to Paul, that man was changed altogether. It's completely different. And that's the reason we've come together. And again, preacher didn't pay me to say this, but I've pastored long enough to know, hey, when God really does a work, it causes people to really want to do something about it. And I don't know what it is, but man, God has a purpose. That's what he says there in verse number 16. For this purpose uh, to make them minister. God gave him a purpose for his life. And then we'll read down there and I'm just going to quote it for sake of time. But he said, through all this stuff. He said that Jews sought to kill me. They want to destroy me. But he said, I sought help from God. And he said, I continued. So two things. Revival. This week should have done two things for all of us that heard from God. Number one. It should have motivated us to a purpose, to a new cause, to something God's doing in our lives, whether it's changing and taking something out of our lives or whether it's changing and putting something new into our lives. Whatever it is, it should push us to a purpose. Number two, it should push us to continue. Don't quit. Don't quit. I know that sounds trivial but I guarantee you this there's a lot of times I preach in churches and man I come back where's brother so-and-so Mrs. so-and-so not here anymore Camp same churches coming year after year hey where's so-and so man why? not here anymore I know I know <laughs> nobody ever plans to quit nobody ever plans to quit. Nobody ever plans to you know what you know some of the words that I get so tired of? I'm glad we ha- don't have it in our church because our church is just full of new and fresh people and man, they're just now jumping in and serving the Lord and they're so excited about it. And I-, I love that. But you know the words I get tired of hearing is this? Well, you know what we used to always do? Why we quit? Man, I'm going to tell you what, years ago, you remember whenever we did, man, I'm telling you, those were the glory days. Is God not working today? Is he not able to do that anymore? Y'all can do whatever you want to do, but this old boy right here, I prefer to live the glory days right now. I'd rather just be right up in the middle of it. I like to get in the thick of things. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, if there's something we're going to do, I'm just going to grab the bull by the horns and I'm just going to go at it. I want to be all 100,000% in. And you say, well, Brother Luke, that's just your personality. You know, that's just the way that you are. I'm going to tell you, God never allowed a caveat for personality to give us a reason to disobey. Do you know that? Well, I don't really have that personality like you have. Well, I don't really care. (laughs) The Bible Tells us to be ministers and servants, and to not quit, and allow the Lord to speak to us. Say yes to the Lord. Have a conversation with Him. Come to know Him as our Savior. He puts all that out there. Amen. And He doesn't say, as long as you have a Type A personality, you can do all these things and serve Jesus. No. Pretty sure the only thing, only prerequisite He gives in serving Him is, is this: you need to know Him. That's yes, right. Amen. You need to know Him. And tonight I just want to leave y'all with this. The greatest life you could ever live is a life in serving Jesus. Amen. There's no greater life than it. I- I'm telling you. And you know, there's a lot of different looks of that life. My my life happens to look like I get to be a camp director, I, I get to be a pastor. I get to travel and preach. (laughs) My biggest ministry, I get to raise six crazy children and love an absolutely wonderful woman. That's my biggest ministry in the world right there. Oh, man, I'm telling you what, I've been up here for a week. My wife's down in Pensacola, Florida, and and she's got some ladies on a ladies trip, different things like that, and I'm going to tell you what, man, I've been missing my wife. I love her to death. Man, she is my number one priority. Man, I'm going to tell you what, I cannot wait to see her tomorrow night. Man, it's going to be a glad reunion. (laughs) That's my life. Your life might look different, but it's all together the same when you live a surrendered life to what Jesus says to do. That's what we need when we get up out of here is on Sunday or tomorrow or tonight. Man, we give it all to God and we speak to the Lord and say yes to Him. And then we pick up the phone and we call the preacher or Sunday we come and we say, hey, what do you need? What do I need to do? Some of us, there's some things we need to get rid of. Some of us, there's some things we need to put in. But we ought to be different. Otherwise, I've spent a week away from my wife and family for nothing. And I don't know about you, I'm a very, fairly busy feller, and I don't like wasting time. Amen. So for one preacher to a group of people, can I just plead with you, just get after it. Time's short. Jesus is coming again. So why don't we just do his will right away? Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. Lord, we're thankful for your word and God, how it's quick and powerful. And Lord, tonight, I just pray, I plead, I plead that out of all of this, all that has happened, or there's some be some people who just respond tonight and say, Lord, there might be some things I need to take out. Maybe they're saying tonight, Lord, I'm going to add something too. Well, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that they would listen as you speak. God, I pray you bless this invitation. May decisions be made. Lord, may hearts be turned, and a difference be made in this church. And I love you, Jesus. In your name, I pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. So somebody says, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I've been struggling with doubt, like you were talking about earlier. I've been dealing with some things. Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not sure. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Anyone like that? Tonight, I just want to encourage you, if you've been struggling with doubt, there's no embarrassment. Boy, you might just want to talk to somebody and just talk to preacher or somebody and just say, "Uh, I've been struggling in this area. I don't want you to struggle in that area. Tonight, can I just ask you, has the Lord been speaking to you? Has the Lord been working in your life? I just say, mind the voice of God tonight. Mind the voice of God. Maybe tonight there's something you need to put in your life. Maybe tonight there's something you need to take out of your life. But all in all, we need to be His servants. All in all, we need to be ministers. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love One another. Maybe tonight we just need to come down. Lord, help me love people the way you would. Help me to minister to people the way you would if you were standing right here before people. God, help me. Heavenly Father, bless this invitation. Lord, do a work in your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand tonight.